قال الله تعالى في محكم كتابه الكريم وقوله الحق وهو أصدق الصادقين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد جئتمونا فرادا كما خلقناكم أول مرة وتركتم ما خولناكم وراء ظهوركم آمنا بالله صدق الله العلي العظيم ومن كلام ومن وصية لسيدنا ومولانا أمير المؤمنين لولديه الحسن والحسين أنه قال بني حسن بني حسين الله الله بالقرآن لا يسبقنكم العمل به غيركم الله بالقرآن اجعلوه إمامكم فإنه الجليس الذي لا يكذب والهادي الذي لا يضل ما جالسه أحد إلا وقام عنه بزيادة ونقصان زيادة في نور ونقصان في عما صدق مولانا أمير المؤمنين Bless your gathering with remembrance upon Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad As a gift to the soul of Sayyidina wa Mawlana wa Muqtadana Amir al-Mu'mineen, recite the second salawat. On a night like this, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to shower onto the graves of all the Mu'mineen and Mu'minat with His mercy and compassion and to hasten the reappearance of Sayyidina wa Mawlana Sahib al-Asri wa zaman the barakat al-salati ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. In the most important nights within the year, we gather in large numbers and we tend to collectively place the Qur'an above our heads while we face the Qibla 
and we plead to the Almighty Allah and we beg the Almighty Allah and we supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to destine for us the best of fates fates while we place the Quran above our heads and we do this for our entire life 20 years 30 years 40 years but we rarely pause we rarely stop and ask why is it that on the 19th on the 21st on the 23rd of the month of Ramadan we choose to place the Quran above our heads while we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while we plead to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala why is it that for example when we recite dua kumail dua al-sabah why is it that for example when we recite dua al-nudba or every single dua after the salah we don't place the quran above our heads why specifically in layali al-qadr one of it one of the reasons has to do with the dissension of the Qur'an in Laylatul Qadr. And you're all well aware of that. But in order to examine and answer this response thoroughly, allow me to take you to the house of Amir al-Mu'mineen on a night like this. He's living his last moments. It is towards Layali al-Qadr. And he seeks to surround himself with his two sons, Sayyidi Shababi Ahlul Jannah, the sons of Rasulullah, Al Hassan Wal Hussein. So he gathers them to give him to give them his last wasiyah, his will, his advice, his admonishment. He gathers them, Bunayya Hassan, Bunayya Hussein. They gather. Then Amir al-Mu'mineen begins with stating Allah, Allah two times. Amir al-Mu'mineen is not, it's not, he's not like me and you where he may take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in vain or regarding mediocre issues. Amir al-Mu'mineen knows the value of the statement, Allah. And who is he speaking to? He is speaking to Sayyidi Shababi Ahlul Jannah. So he says, Allah, Allah, two times to get their attention. Now that he has their attention, he says, لا يسبقنكم الله الله بالقرآن Take advantage of the Qur'an. Give superiority to the Qur'an. Give importance to the Qur'an. Then he says, لا يسبقنكم العمل به غيركم. Do not allow anybody to proceed you in implementing the teachings of the Qur'an, the lessons of the Qur'an. You must be the embodiment of the Holy Qur'an, the personification of the Holy Qur'an. And if you want to know Imam al-Husayn, if you want to know Amir al-Mu'mineen, if you want to know Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam,
You have to go to their teacher, to their inspiration, to their guide. And that is the Holy Quran. Because that is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says, مَا جَالَسَهُ أَحَدٍ Nobody spends time with the Qur'an unless they depart after spending quality time with the Qur'an. Not time in close proximity. No, you spend quality time with the Qur'an. When you read it, you contemplate on its messages. You contemplate on its statements. Every story, every ayah, where was it revealed? When was it revealed? What are the lessons within this ayah? If you spend quality time with the Qur'an, Amir al-Mu'mineen says, مَا جَالَسَهُ أَحَدٌ إِلَّا وَقَامَ عَنْهُ بِزِيَادَةٍ وَنُقْصَانٍ You spend quality time with the Qur'an, you depart with an increase and a decrease. An increase in light, an enlightenment, and knowledge, and awareness, and a decrease in ignorance, and confusion, and uncertainty. Why? Because prior to that he says, He's that friend that will never lie to you. And the Quran is that guide that will never take you astray. Brothers, when we take this Quran and we place the Quran above our heads, what are we trying to say? That the Quran is above everything in our lives. And this is how we come to you, Allah. Knowing that the Qur'an is above our heads, it is the most important thing in our lives, we come to you and we plead to you. But is it truly the most important existence within our life? When we seek advice in marriage, when we seek advice where to live, how to live, how to conduct our affairs, do we go to the Qur'an? Or do we go to Sheikh Google? We answer. Every question that we have, we don't go to the Qur'an. We go to Google, we go to counselors, we go to advisors, we go to friends, we go to family. The last place where we look for advice is within the Qur'an because we have a relationship with the Qur'an that is based on just seeking blessings from the Qur'an. When I want to leave the house on a trip, on a journey, the hajjiyah, Holds the Qur'an, I kiss the Qur'an, I walk underneath the Qur'an. When we buy a new home, we place the Qur'an in this new home. When we buy a vehicle, we place the Qur'an in the vehicle. All of that is good. But we do not treat the Qur'an as an alive entity. And Amir al-Mu'mineen, what does he say about the Qur'an? إِنَّ الْقُرْآنَ حَيٌّ لَمْ يَمُتْ The Qur'an is alive and it will never die. وَإِنَّهُ لِآخِرِنَا And it is for the very last of us. For the very last Muslim, for the last believer, for the last person reading the Qur'an. كَمَا هُوَ لِأَوَّلِنَا It is as mesmerizing, as fruitful, as beautiful as it was for the very first person who read the Qur'an and was mesmerized by the Qur'an. There's a lot of weight in the statement. وَإِنَّهُ يَتَجَدَّدُ كَمَا يَتَجَدَّدُ اللَّيْلُ وَالنَّهَارِ And the Qur'an rejuvenates itself like every morning and every night. The Qur'an has the solution to our problems. The Qur'an 
has the answers to our questions. And the Quran is meant to change the way we live. It is meant to shape our character. It is meant to have influence on us, brothers and sisters. How can we be the personification of the Quran? How can we be the embodiment of the Quran? I'll just share one story from those who were trained on the basis of inni mukhallifun fikum al-thaqalayn kitab Allah wa atrati al-bayti ma in tamassaktum bihi ma lan tadillu ba'di abada those who were guided by the Qur'an and Ahl al-Bayt and they knew that Ahl al-Bayt and the Qur'an go hand in hand and they are inseparable one day a person comes to Imam al-Sadiq he says to him Ya ibn Rasulullah I come to you from Ahwaz and in Ahwaz the governor he seems to be one of the people who love you we have heard rumors that he is one who is amongst your followers. شباب مبين عليكم تعبانين ترى تعبين عليكم الثالثة بأعلى أصواتكم he comes to Imam al-Sadiq he says to him that this governor I need to pay him 700 golden dinars of tax and I don't have that and I'm afraid they're going to confiscate my businesses I'm afraid they're going to take everything away from me. So, Yabna Rasulullah, can you help me? Maybe if you write him a letter, this letter will allow him to decrease or يعفيني عن. Maybe he's going to forgive this tax, which is a huge amount. Imam al-Sadiq, of course, unlike us, he doesn't say, no, well, I don't know this governor. And you know, Imam al-Sadiq, why, I don't even know you. Why should I write this letter? Go and, and, you know, ask someone else. Because the first thing that comes to our mind when people ask us for help is, how do I get out of this? Imam al-Sadiq says, bring me a paper and pen. He takes the paper and pen. He says, he writes this very brief statement. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna lillahi dhillan yawm al-qiyamah يستظل به من قضى لأخيه المؤمن حاجة وهذا أخوك والسلام جعفر بن محمد One line He says on the day of judgment There is a shadow of mercy and compassion That encompasses those Who solve a problem for their brothers and faith And this man carrying this letter as your brother, wassalam, Ja'far ibn Muhammad, he says, take this to him. This man enters onto this man, the governor, who his name was An-Najashi. Go, go read his biography. 
He's the governor of Ahwaz. He enters onto him in the month of Ramadan while this guy is reciting the Quran. This is the effect of the Quran. So the man closes the Quran. He says, how can I help you? He says, I have a letter. He says, who's the letter from? Because of possibly taqiyya purposes or purposes that this man did not want to make it obvious that he has a letter from Imam al-Sadiq, he says, why don't you open the letter, letter and see it? This man opens the letter, as soon as he sees the signature, he stands up. This is a, a paper that has touched the skin of Ja'far ibn Muhammad al-Sadiq. His Imam, Hujjatullah wa Khalifatullah ala ardih. He stands up, he kisses the letter, he places it above his head. He tells him, sit down. How much do you owe? He says, 700 golden coins. He calls his personal assistant. He says, do we have 700 golden coins? He says, yes. He says, give it to this man. Gives it to this man. He says, Aradit, are you happy? He says, of course I'm happy. I'm more than happy. I'm more than thankful to you. This man stands up. He's about to leave. He tells Najashi, the governor, tells him, sit down. Did you come here by yourself? Do you have... He says, yeah, you know, I, I'm struggling, but things are good. He asks his personal assistants, how many horses do I have? He says, yeah, about 70 horses. He says, give him 35. This man is astonished. 35? He takes them. He's about to leave. He says to him, Aradit. He says, of course, I'm more than happy. I'm more than delighted. I'm more than thankful. Then he's about to leave. He says, sit down again. He asks his personal assistants, how many pieces of land do I own? Tells him, for example, you own 50. He says, give him 20, 25 of them. Aradit, are you happy? Are you content? Yes. He's about to leave. How many servants do I have? For example, you have 50. Give him 25. How many this? How many that? He divides half of his assets. Everything that he owns. He, give half of it, he gave half of it to this man who carried the letter from Imam al-Sadiq. Then he says to him, Aradit. He says, of course. You've given me plenty. You've given me more than enough. You've made me a wealthy man. Before he leaves, he says, "Akhbar imami dalik." This is the, this is this is the entire philosophy of placing the Quran above your heads, brothers. That the Quran influences my character. The Quran gives me the taqwa and the iman, and I understand the magnitude of Laylatul Qadr and our relationship with our Imam. Make sure you tell my imam. So my imam is also happy with me. He's content. I have made him proud. I have made him happy. Days pass. Months pass. This guy goes back to Medina. He sits next to Imam al-Sadiq. Imam al-Sadiq says, what happened with our friend? And he says, Ya ibn Rasulullah, let me tell you what this man did. And as he tells Imam al-Sadiq, he sees the happiness on the Imam's face. The Imam's face lights up. He's delighted. He's happy. He's prayerful. 
he prays for this man until he finishes the story. Imam Sadiq is in tears from happiness, from joy that he has such followers. Then Imam Sadiq says, Wallah qad asarrani. Wallah, he's made me happy. Wallah qad asarra jaddi Amir al Mu'mineen. He's made my grandfather Amir al Mu'mineen happy because this is a definition of a real Shia. Wallah qad sarra jaddi Rasulullah. He's made Rasulullah happy. Wallah qad asarrallaha fi arshah. He's made Allah proud and happy from his throne. This is the effect of the Quran on our lives. The effect of the Quran, brothers and sisters, shouldn't be that I only stand on Salat al-Layl or I only pray Salat al-Subh 50 times, for example. I sit in the tasbih all day and all night. No. That all should break me this person. Generosity, compassion, forgiveness, tolerance. If you look at the Quran and you summarize the Quran in one word, it is what? Akhlaq. Akhlaq. Morality, ethics. Equality, justice, compassion. And this month of Ramadan when I place the Quran above my head but I've severed my ties with my family. But I engage in backbiting and I engage in ghibah and namima and lies and accusations. What good is that? Or I am stingy and misner. I am infatuated with hubbud dunya. I want all the good for myself only, nobody else. I don't just not share. I hate to see others successful. This is the problem. Some people they have, they don't share. Some people they have, they don't share. And if God forbid somebody is a little successful, somebody is a little happy, he's a little comfortable, they, they cannot tolerate this. And tonight, I want to speak to you of the most mesmerizing chapter within the Holy Quran. The most spiritual chapter within the Holy Quran. The most mystic chapter within the Holy Quran. Chapter 6, Surah Til. Huh? Shunuhai. Chapter 6. Chapter 6, brothers. Surah Al-An'am. Surah Al-An'am. Brothers, this is the month of the relationship with the Quran. Remember what Amir al-Mu'mineen just said. Allah, Allah bil-Quran. Don't take the Quran lightly. Brothers, please. Sisters, whoever is here and listening to me, the Quran has to become your best friend and you will feel its sweetness in your life. We go to chapter 6, Surah Al-An'am. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam said, نَزَلَتْ فِي جُمْلَةٍ وَاحِدَةٍ وَشَيَّعَهَا سَبْعُونَ أَلْفْ مَلَكٍ كُلُّهُمْ يُسَبِّحُونَ وَيُحَلِّلُونَ وَيُكَبِّرُونَ 
It all came down, 126 verses in one go. In Surah Al-Madina, in, 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 in the city of Medina. 18 chapters prior to the completion of the Quran. 18 chapters prior to the completion of the Quran. So in Medina, towards the end of the life of Rasulullah. Surah Al-An'am was revealed. 70,000 angels descended. All praising and supplicating and glorifying Allah. So Rasulullah asks Jibra'il, how come that this surah is coming with 70,000 angels? Jibra'il says, Ya Rasulullah, those 70,000 angels, they will stay. They will, not dis they will not elevate back to heavens. They stay here. Why? What is their job? Every time someone recites Surah Al-An'am, they will do istighfar, tasbih and tahleel for him. A person comes to Rasulullah, he says, Ya Rasulullah, my life. Listen to many people who have this dua, who have this need, who have the same struggle. He comes to Rasulullah, he says, Ya Rasulullah, my life has become difficult. My life used to be good, but now it's difficult. I have family problems. I have problems with my business. I have problems with my health. Seems not, things seem not to be Working out for me, please, can you help me? Rasulullah teaches him something that takes maybe three to four hours long. Three to four hours long. Some people might say, wow, four hours? That's very long. Believe me, it's worth it. Because sometimes we spend four hours gaming when we don't feel it. Sometimes we spend four hours, what? Smoking shisha. Speaking to our friends, hanging out, four hours passes by. Not only we don't gain anything, most probably, we've lost that time that never comes back. Rasulullah says to this man, What is tonight? Huh? Laylatul Jumu'ah. For those who have hajat, listen. He says, إِذَا كَانَتْ لَيْلَةُ الْجُمْعَةِ Make sure that you're all by yourself. You're not intercepted by anyone. Recite four rak'ah of salah. Each rak'ah you recite hamd and one time surat al-an'am. Like I said, it takes about three to four hours long. After you finish those four rak'ah, it becomes very easy. You only say three times. Ya Kareem, Ya Kareem, Ya Kareem. Oh, the generous. Oh, the generous. Oh, the generous. And he is generous. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is generous. Ya ayyuhan nas, antumul fuqara'u ilallah. Wallahu huwal ghani. We're all in need of Allah. We're all impoverished. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ultimate source of wealth. Huh? Ya Kareem, Ya Kareem, Ya Kareem, three times, Ya Azim, Ya Azim, Ya Azim. Then he says, Was al hajatak. Then ask for your haja, and Allah will give you your haja. Mahma balagat. Whatever this haja was, Allah will grant you. A person comes to Imam al Sadiq, he says, Ya Ibn Rasulullah. Uh, 
In terms of finances, I'm not doing well. Imam al-Sadiq again says, إِذَا كَانَتْ لَيْلَةُ الْجُمُعَةِ اسْتَقْبِلِ الْقِبْلَةِ وَتَوَضَّأْ وَقْرَأْ سُورَةِ الْأَنْعَامِ This one, this one is easier. And after you recite Surah Al-An'am, ask Allah for your hajah. So Surah Al-An'am, and you all know Khatmat Al-An'am. A lot of the women, they sit together, they recite Surah Al-An'am. In different majalis, it is known to be the interceder. It is meant to be a chapter within the Holy Quran that is shafiq, that intercedes for us. Within Surah Al-An'am, there are many mesmerizing ayat. But I've chosen an ayah that speaks to the spirit of the month of Ramadan and specifically Layal Al-Qadr. And inshallah, you shall come to know why. This is the 92nd or 96th ayah from Surah Al-An'am. One of the most beautiful and mesmerizing ayat within the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَ فُرَادًا كَمَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةً وَتَرَكْتُمْ مَا خَوَّلْنَاكُمْ وَرَاءَ ظُهُورِكُمْ And you have returned to us like the day that you were born and you have left that which we gave you authority over just those two sentences I believe are the most beautiful sentences amongst the most beautiful sentences within the entire Quran first of all Allah speaks of an event that occurs many years from now because Allah Speaking to Muslims 1400 years ago, telling them that you have returned to us. The Quran speaks to me and you, and He says, And you have returned to us. This return is when? This return is the day of judgment. Now we're still alive, we're still breathing, we're still living. We have not returned to Allah. You have come back to us. Allah, brothers and sisters, wants me and you to understand that His promises are eminent. There are no buts and ifs about the promises of Allah. One time, when you read the Quran, one khatmah of the Quran that you do, inshallah, and we have to do the khatmah of the Quran regularly throughout the whole year, even if it's one page out of the Quran, every single day of your life, Recite at least 100 ayat. I don't, have to, I don't have time to explain to you the significance. At least 100 ayat a day. Make this a habit in your life. 50 in the morning, 50 at night. 100 ayat a day. It takes several minutes. And do a khatmah of the Quran. One of those khatmat, every time you read an ayah with a promise of Allah, highlight this ayah. Say this is a promise from Allah. I highlight this ayah. And know that this promise is eminent. I may make promises and break my promises. Not because I want to break my promises. Because I can't. I promise you, five years from now, I'll give you $10,000. Do I know that I have $10,000 in five years? I may be dead in ten years. In five years. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Jalla Jalalu, His promises are eminent. 
So he says, You will come to us. Because many of us, he sees his father pass away, his uncle pass away, his friend pass away, especially with COVID, young people, old people, friends, family. But for me, I don't think about death. It does not pertain to me. Especially if I'm young, I'm energetic, I'm successful, I have ambitions, I have goals. Allah says, listen, this is eminent. You will come to us. So think of the day that you have to stand in front of me. Think of that day of Qiyamah. It is an eminent promise. How do we go to Allah? Allah says, Furada, singular. You come to me by yourself. You don't go to Allah with your family, with your friends, with your tribe, with your wealth. How? When you were born, crying, you didn't even have a name. You don't have clothes to wear. You are nothing, right? We go to Allah in the same way. We go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all by ourselves. What do we take with us? It is our amal. If that amal is good, you'll have plenty in your bank accounts and in your reserves. And if that amal is bad, it is you and your amal. It is you and your actions. Brothers, don't say, I'm still young, inshallah, when I grow up, I'll change. Those habits will stay with you for the, your entire life. Change your habits now. Increase your chances of probability now. Do not take the biggest risk of your life and that is demolishing your akhirah. That is going to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala empty-handed. Why? Because when they place us in our graves, up until the grave, this guy was an emperor, this guy was a president, this guy was a businessman, this guy was a professor, this guy was a prime minister, this guy was a marji', this guy was Ayatullah al-Uthma. And they write this on the tombstone, but that's where it stays. Once you're in your grave, you're nothing. The titles remain on the tombstone. وَلَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَ فُرَادَ كَمَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةِ وَتَرَكْتُمْ مَا خَوَّلْنَاكُمْ وَرَاءَ ظُهُورِكُمْ And you've left what we authorized you with behind your back. Have you, I'm sure you've all been to beautiful vacations, beautiful sceneries. When you're about to leave and depart from that beautiful scenery, or that friend, or something special, what do you do? You keep looking back. 
You want to have that last glance. You want to have that last chance. Especially, I've seen people when they, for example, go to Medina Al-Munawwara. When you're leaving Medina, it's very depressing. You keep looking back at the grave site of Rasulullah. Ya Rasulullah, al-awd, al-awd, ya Rasulullah. So you've left that city behind you. Same thing goes for the city of Najaf al-Ashraf, Amir al-Mu'mineen. Same thing goes for the city of Karbala, al-Imam al-Hussein, and all the imams. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala draws this beautiful mesmerizing picture for us that this dunya, this dunya is beautiful. We get attached to it. When we're leaving, we keep looking behind us. What about my kids? What about my family? What about my money? What about my wealth? What about my everything I've built? I, give me some time. Let me depart next year, next month, next hour. No, you have to leave now. But Allah says... What we authorized you to use. What does this mean? It speaks of the illusion of this dunya. This dunya is like a mirage, according to Imam Musa ibn Ja'far. What is a mirage? When you're thirsty, you're very thirsty, so you start seeing things. You see a water there, a beautiful spring of water. You run to it and it's not there. That's a mirage. It's an illusion. Imam Musa ibn Ja'far says, this dunya is that illusion. That's why in dua Abu Hamza Thamali, what do we say? Ilahi, akhraj Imam Radha says, this love of this dunya is like drinking salt water. You'll never quench your thirst. Never, ever quench your thirst. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, subhanallah, He's given us examples that even the blind and the dead can see. Jeff Bezos. This guy, Elon Musk. How much money do you need? Trillions? Wow, there are people starving. Starving. They don't have clean water to drink. We love money. We love wealth and we never have enough. I guarantee you that those guys, their first goal was one million. If I have one million, I'll be good. Then the first million came. Let's make it five. Let's make it ten. Let's, now let's go for the billion. Now they're going for the trillion. And do you think we're going to be different? No. This is the insan. This is a nafs within us that is greedy. Amir al-Mu'mineen salawatullahi alayhi says, Innaha nafsi, urawwidhuha bit-taqwa. This nafs needs discipline. I need to discipline this nafs, urawwidhuha. I discipline it, urawwidhuha bit-taqwa. You can't just let it loose. Allah speaks of this illusion. 
that you only had the ability to use things we gave you to use, we authorized you to use. Have you seen many people, they say, my, 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 my lands, mashallah, I have a lot of lands, I have acreage. Is it your land? It's not your land. Prior to you, it belonged to someone, and after you, it belonged to someone else. For 5, 10, 50 years, you had the illusion that this was yours. Your cars, your bank account, your home, your lands, your wealth, your stocks, your cryptos, your everything that you own, brothers and sisters. You don't really own it. It is in your possession today and it will be transferred to someone else's possession tomorrow. And that tomorrow will come very soon. Very quick. And when it comes, it comes with, without a notice. You've all traveled. You've all traveled and you've ridden in airplanes. When you go to the airport, they tell you that you are boarding in zone number four. Somebody else is boarding in zone number one. Somebody else is boarding in zone number two. But you're all going to board ultimately. Believe me, it is just that. Right now your seat is chosen. Whether you chose your seat or you didn't, Allah knows your seat. Where and when you will be buried. This is the Quran, not me. You, we do not know where we die and when we die and where we will, be, we, we will be buried, but Allah knows. And that is part of the fate that is written in those nights. Layali al-Qadr. Increase in life, decrease in life, change in the place that he will be buried, how he dies, all those things will be updated on a night like those nights. huh? So the seat is there, it is chosen. The flight, everybody, but it is the boarding time. Now, whether you have your carry-on with you, whether you have checked luggage, whether you're sending something for your akhirah, the flight is going to take off. It's not going to wait for you. Suddenly, when you're about to board, no, 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 please, let me go back to my home so I can gather some luggage. Ya luggage, ya Now you have to board. Or, so, brothers, the, the flight is ready. When we're all going to depart, this earth that you walk on, this earth that you walk on, every day Hadith Al-Qudsi says, Yabna Adam, Yabna Adam, Inna al-arda tukhatibuka fi kulli yawmin wa taqulu lak, al-yawm tamshi ala batni. Today you walk on my stomach, on, on my stomach, al-yawm tamshi ala dhahri, you walk on my surface. وَغَدًا تُصْبِحُ فِي بَطْنِي But tomorrow you will be buried within me. يَا بْنَ آدَمْ أَنَا بَيْتُ الْوَحْشَةِ يَا بْنَ آدَمْ أَنَا بَيْتُ الْغُرْبَةِ فَعَمِّرْنِي وَلَا تُدَمِّرْنِي Take care of me. Beautify me. Decorate me. You will be buried within me. Do not walk on to me with arrogance as if you own this earth. Allah, the head is up and he's walking like this. Who are you? What have you accomplished? Rahman. If you want to know a true mu'min, a true believer, a person who his limbs 
are affected by taqwa and iman wa ibadur rahman alladhina yamshuna ala al-ardi hawna they walk with humility on the face of this earth they're humble because every time they look at their amal they say we have to increase in our amal they look at their knowledge we have to say, i have to increase in my knowledge You've left what you, what was given to you, and now you've come to us. One day, brothers, they will come to us and they will lay us on that muhtasal. They take off the glasses, they take out your card keys. And in that moment, in that moment, people will say, well, How much inheritance? How much did he leave for his kids? For his wife? And we've worked all our life accumulating for other people. We go to Allah empty-handed while leaving all this wealth for others. And the malaika say, Mada qaddam? What did he send to this home? In this life, we want to know we want to be in the best neighborhoods, have the best neighbors, have the best school system on the best roads, on the pe best postal code. Huh? We, we care about all of that because that's our prestige. You come to my home, it's on this specific street. Everybody says, well, this is the best street in London. But on the Akhirah, we don't care. Where's the neighborhood? Do we have even a place? We don't have a place. Where's the Qabr? What's in the Qabr? The Malaika say, Mada qaddam? Where's his neighborhood in this dunya? Where have we allocated for him? What, what furniture does he have? How comfortable will he be? They lay us on that muhtasal. They strip us away from everything. We're left with nothing. Brothers, think of this day. This is a reminder in Laylatul Qadr. Don't go to Allah empty-handed. Al-Imam Abu Abdullah al-Hussein salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi as he was going towards Karbala he stopped at a station he told his messenger go and speak to a man by the name of Abdullah ibn al-Hur tell him that Hussein ibn Ali wants to meet you Abdullah ibn al-Hur he seemed like he was a Shia he was a follower of the Ahlul Bayt or a lover of the Ahlul Bayt so Imam al-Hussein wanted to meet with him. The messenger went. He told Abdullah ibn al-Hur, this story speaks to me and you. The story speaks to me and you. Listen to this and make a decision right now. The messenger of Hussein comes. Abdullah ibn al-Hur, Hussein wants to meet you in a neighboring village. Abdullah says to him, tell about Abdullah, that I cannot meet him. I'm sorry. Because I know what, what he wants. And I want to live. I'm not ready to die. So, please. I, I, I'll be embarrassed. So go tell Imam Al-Hussein I cannot come. The messenger goes to Imam Al-Hussein. He says this is what Abdullah said. Imam Al-Hussein said, said, let's go and visit him. So he takes with him Aliyun al-Akbar, 
he takes with him Qamar Bani Hashim, Abu Al-Fadl Abbas, Al Abi Talib, Al Ali, alayhum salam his companions, his family, and he goes, Abdullah ibn al-Hur, he had a tent. So he said, I was sitting outside the tent, and I saw the caravan of Imam al-Hussein, the horses coming, galloping towards me. I knew this was Imam al-Hussein. And he describes, he says, when Imam al-Hussein disembarked from his horse, I knew this was Imam al-Hussein. But it felt like it is Rasulullah. When he walked, it was Rasulullah. His gestures walking to me, it was as if Rasulullah was coming to me. وَكَانَتْ لِحْيَتُهُ كَثَرُّ الْغُرَابِ His black beard and his amama and his hayba and his nur. Of course, he would be mesmerized by Imam al-Husayn. He said he came to me, he sat down. So for me to break the ice, I said, Ya Abu Abdullah, you have... MashaAllah, this, this beard is black, pitch black. So Imam al Hussein says that I have dyed my beard. And khidab, dyeing your beard, is mustahab. So Imam al Hussein then says to him, Listen, I have a message for you. This message is for every man and every woman here and listening. Not from me, from Imam al-Husayn. And like I said, Abdullah ibn al-Hur was a, was a lover of Ahl al-Bayt. He was not somebody who despised Ahl al-Bayt. He says, Ya Abdullah, do you have sins that you want your sins to be forgiven? So imagine if Imam al-Husayn is asking you, want them forgiven? Of course we do. Do you want paradise? Of course I do. Do you want to be in paradise? Of course I do. Do you want to be with Rasulullah in paradise? Of course I do. Do you want the rahmah of Allah? Of course I do. Do you want to shake the hands of Rasulullah on the day of judgment? Of Imam al Hussein keeps on giving him most beautiful scenarios and this guy says yes. Imam al Hussein says to him one thing though. There's one key to open all those doors, unlock all those things. What is it? Al-Tahaqbi. Allahu Akbar. This is an offer on a golden platter. It can't get better than this. A guarantee coming from whom? Sayyid Shababi Ahlil Jannah. But subhanallah, when the dunya comes, وَأَغَرَّتْنِ الدُّنْيَا بِغُرُورِهَا وَنَفْسِي بِجِنَايَتِهَا وَمِطَالِي يَا سَيِّدِي And I procrastinate and I'm overtaken by the love of this dunya. He says to him, يَا أَبَا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ يَا أَبْنَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ You know I love you. What we say to him? We love you. You know I love you. But I also love this dunya. I don't want to die. So what I'll tell you what, Ya Abu Abdullah, I have the best of horses from the best of breeds. I'll give you my seven horses. Take them. And use those horses in your defense. Imam al Hussein looked at him. 
He says, Ya ibn al-Hur, I came for you, for your salvation, for your akhirah, for your sins, not for horses. Imam al-Hussein gets up, gets up and leaves. And Abdullah ibn al-Hur, he himself says the story. He says, I spent my entire life in regret. That how can Imam al-Hussein come to me and I refused him? What is the beauty of this life, brothers? What is this life? How much have we spent our time in vain, our life in vain? What is spent, what is remaining of our life? Let us dedicate that to Allah, to Rasulullah, to the Ahl al-Bayt. So we don't go to Allah empty-handed in regret so we don't become another Abdullah ibn al-Hur. Imam al-Hussein came to give him everything, but he, he himself refused it. And this, this question, this Alahal min nasrin yansuruna, is echoed in your ears every day. This story of Abdullah ibn al-Hur and Imam al-Hussein as a story with us and Allah and Rasulullah and Ahlul Bayt on daily basis. Do we choose them or do we choose the dunya? Do we choose them or do we choose Hubb dunya And on nights like this, we gather and we read a dua that is the personification of this ayah. The tafsir of this ayah. It puts us in a mesmerizing, most beautiful, mystic, Position in understanding this ayah, and that is Dua Abu Hamza Thamali, Thabit ibn Dinar. Unfortunately, I don't have time. I have to conclude. But who was Abu Hamza Thamali? And why was he given this Dua? Thabit ibn Dinar, this was his name. Abu Hamza Thamali is also the one who brings to us Ziyarat Aminullah. He got introduced to Imam Zainul Abideen. Imam Zainul Abideen had gone to Kufa to visit the shrine of the grave of Amir al-Mu'mineen and Thabit ibn Dinar he knew. So he was watching Imam Zainul Abidin, but he was afraid. It was an extremely dangerous time and you know the grave of Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen was hidden. This is many people don't know this. The grave of Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen was hidden. Nobody knew his grave. Thabit ibn Dinar, Abu Hamza, he knew that Imam Zain al-Abidin, while he's in Kufa, of course he's going to visit his grandfather Amir al-Mu'mineen. So he was waiting for the opportunity. He would go and he would look at the Imam and he wouldn't say anything. Until one day he said, after Fajr, I saw Imam Zain al-Abidin come out of his home, his residence, and he had two horses. One of them was saddled, but there was nobody sitting on it. He came out and he said, I had not introduced myself to Imam Zain al-Abideen. I would just go and, it was very scary times. I would just go and sit, watch him. So he came out and he said, Ya Aba Hamza, irkab ma'i, ardif ma'i. He said, I sat on the horse without asking the Imam where, what. He said, until we went to Dahr al-Kufa, there. He said, dissemble from your horse, come, come down from your horse. He said he started touching the surface until he reached. He said, Hada qabru jaddi amir al And then he began, As-salamu alayka ya amin Allah fi ardhi wa hujjatahu fi sama'ih. And he began to recite Ziyarat Aminullah. So he was a companion entrusted by 
the Imams until Abu Hamza says, Ya Ibn Rasulullah, I hear some horses coming. The spies have arrived. Imam Zainul Abidin immediately changes the tone of the ziyarah to what? To dua. And he begins to recite dua. So they came, they thought that they were just in the middle of the desert reciting dua. Abu Hamza Thamali would be the companions up until Imam al-Sadiq. Imam al-Sadiq, when he goes to Imam al-Sadiq, Imam al-Sadiq says to him, Ya Abu Hamza, every time I see you, I am delighted. I am at ease. I feel good when I see you. Allahu Akbar. Imam al-Sadiq, when you see him, you must have that feeling. You must gain that feeling from the Imam himself. But Imam al-Sadiq says that to Abu Hamza. Why? Did Abu Hamza, for example, recite the Quran every single day and pray 50 rak'ah before Salat al-Fajr? No. I'll tell you what Abu Hamza did. Abu Hamza was in Kufa. And he would have majalis just like this. He would sit down and he would say, Qala al-Baqir, Qala al-Sadiq. He wouldn't add things from his own. Qala al-Baqir, Qala al-Sadiq. He echoed the voice of Ahl al-Bayt. Huh? One day, a woman by the name of Sauda went inside Masjid al-Kufa. She said, who is this man? He said, Abu Hamza al-Thamali. She listened to him. He says beautiful things. He's teaching beautiful things. Who is this Imam al-Sadiq he's talking about? They said, you, what, you're not Shia? You don't know? He said, no. I'm not. But I, I love what he's saying. Can I speak to him after the gathering? Yes, of course. Abu Hamza finished. This woman came to him. She says to him, who is this Imam al-Sadiq you quote? Who is this Imam al-Baqir? That you're talking about. He says, well, he is the grandson of Rasulullah. So they have debates, numerous debates. Then he says to her, Ya Amatullah, who are you? How can you not know Imam al-Sadiq? She says, Ana Saudah bintul a'yan. Sauda bintul a'yan. A'yan was known for his animosity towards Ahl al-Bayt. So, Abu Hamza says, I'm shocked. Why are you here? She says, Khalas, my father and my clan and our people, they lied to us. Now we know the truth. I want to be a Shia. I want to be a follower of the Ahlul Bayt. When she joined the realm of the followers and adherers to the school of Ali and Al Ali, she was about to leave. Abu Hamza says, sit down, Ya Sauda. Where are you going? You now have a responsibility. So what is the responsibility? We sometimes think the responsibility is just to be here. He says, no, you have a responsibility. You must do that which I did to you. You have 10 brothers. You have a tribe. You have a clan. And now a responsibility. Go to your family and speak to them. She goes and she speaks to them. And what happens? What happens? She converts her whole family. One of them is her brother Zurara ibn Ayun, The greatest companion of Imam al-Sadiq. Narrates 2,000 hadiths within our books. This is a man who goes to Allah not empty-handed. 
One of the deeds in his book is Zurara ibn A'yun. Wa'al Zurara. Wa'al A'yun. Go read their biography. That she changed their lineage. Four generations, 400 years of ulama and muhaddithin. All because of sermons conducted by Abu Hamza Thamali. Abu Hamza Thamali changes our nights in Layal al Qadr. He delivers to us the beauty of Ahl al-Bayt. And one, just one line from Dua Abu Hamza Thamali to conclude with tonight. And insha'Allah we'll recite this Dua later tonight. But he says, Mali la abki. Why shouldn't I cry? Mali la abki. Abki li khuruji min qabri. I cry for the moment that I have to come out of my grave. I'm there empty-handed. What should I do? Oh Allah, I plead to you. I beg you. In another segment, he says, I cry for the moment that they lay me on my mukhtasal and my family and my friends to qallibuni aidi ahabbati. My family and my friends cry for me, but I shall cry for myself. Brothers, those are the nights where we connect with Allah through this dua. Dua Abu Hamza, inshallah, we will be reciting this dua. Hearing this dua in the most beautiful voice, inshallah, later. But now, allow me to take you to the home of Amir al-Mu'mineen wa Mawla al-Muhaddeen. Allow me to spend some time in the house of Amir al-Mu'mineen. They say that they brought a physician to the house of Amir al-Mu'mineen to check the womb. He checked the womb and he said to Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen, Ya Aba al-Hasan, awsi wasiyyatak. وَوَدِّ أَهْلَكَ وَعِيَالَكَ فَإِنَّ السَّمْ فَإِنَّ السُّمَّ قَدْ وَصَلَ إِلَى مُخِكِ The poison has reached and infiltrated your brain. And Amir al-Mu'mineen would pass out and Amir al-Mu'mineen would come back to life. He would pass out, he would come back. And every time he would speak to his family and he would speak to his children and he would gather them and he would advise them 